The subject of the evening talk is the taste of spirituality. <coughs> we may find ourselves asking, and sometimes, of course, asking with quite some considerable degree of frequency, what life is, what life is all about, if life has meaning, if life resonates for us, if it has any real significance. And perhaps a question which is of some importance and perhaps in its own way of equal importance is rather what do we bring to life? What, what do we ourselves emit into the field, into the field of existence? And when we give consideration to, to that, we need to, of course, give consideration to every area of our life. What we're bringing to, to every single aspect of our existence. And we might ask ourselves in what we bring to life, what does spirituality mean with regard to that? And you and I can take as we often and frequently do in our life, some of the major areas of our life in which you and I participate and have a relationship with. And we see within that relationship, we influence what we do. We influence the very people that we have contact with and in their relationship to aspects of ourselves, our physical life, our psychological life, our, our emotional life, we have an influence there. And so one can engage in any particular activity, it might, it might be yoga as a simple example, and in that, in that engagement one may have as a motivation of mind to reduce weight, to harmonize the body, to bring about greater flexibility, and introduce more and more to oneself a greater sense of well-being. One might also engage in one's relationship to, to life, to working with the mental processes. What's going on inside of me? What's, what, what is my, why is my mind doing what it is? And we find ways and means within that to explore that activity. But the question will still arise, where is the spiritual factor? One might be engaged in external work, contributing to a, a saner world, finding ways and, and means to discover a society which is concerned with, with justice, which is concerned with fairness, which is, which, con which is concerned with some expression of something meaningful for a greater number of human beings. But still the question can arise, where is the spiritual in that? And so it's not just by you and I actively looking after our body, actively looking after our mind, exploring our emotional life, or being engaged in responsible action that makes it spiritual. There has to be something else there as well for the spiritual 
element to be present. What is it? What is that element? What is it that makes the difference? What is it that distinguishes one human being doing the same work with a spiritual background and basis from another human being who is doing the work without it? We might possibly, we might conclude that the relationship to life is the, the spiritual factor is some kind of feeling. We might say it's some kind of heart content, some, something extra emerging out of one's heart which expresses that. But there again, we may have to look again at that and we may say, well, that's possibly just a, um, a pleasant feeling one has about what one is doing. That may be an, an additional feeling of sincerity in one's work, which one is communicating, and that makes it spiritual. But one's mind wonders whether it's just a feeling, whether it's just the heart, whether it's just an extra, extra expression of love and interest. Yet there is something, something which does seem to have a, a characteristic which distinguishes. In our looking, in our looking at our, what we are bringing into life and in our, in our relationship to life, we may feel, we may conclude or think that it is because we, we look at the world and perhaps at some time or other in the course of our life we've been touched by something outside of oneself. We've been touched by a person who's generated some <coughs> mysterious, mystical quality. We may, may, may have been touched by looking up at the skies and, and sensing something in our relationship to the skies, in our relationship to the earth. And that has had some which it may well be, have had some kind of impact which has touched our consciousness and as a result it's affected our, our activities, our doing, our being. But of course the astronomers also look up at the, the skies. Of course other people look at, uh, meet, meet people who are spiritually inclined. Of course, other people take drugs and, and uh, use the consciousness in that particular way, but it doesn't ensure, does it, for anyone, any one of us, that that input which is coming from external factors or what is coming from internal factors ensures a spiritual a religious feeling and care for life. And then perhaps we begin to wonder and to puzzle, well, what, what does it mean? What does, it, what does this word mean which is used with such frequency? What does the, the, the religious mind mean which has been transmitted from one generation to another? 
What does it mean for, pe- for human beings who seem to have come to some kind of discovery which, when there is real discovery, never seem to get tired of talking about? And it's not, and I hope you're not sitting here waiting for me to come up with some. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm going to disappoint you if you are. (laughs) For me to come up with some answer which is going to say, ah, yes, ah, yes. But but rather, it's, it's surely it's you and I together in our respective lives, in our respective existences, seeing, well, what is this factor? What does, what does it mean? So that, that perhaps this concept or such similar uh, kinds of con- contexts perhaps have the possibility of resonating with us. And what some of us have found with, with that, that there perhaps may be a bridge. A bridge to understanding something which is spoken of with such awe and such love and such passion and respect by human beings, that it may have something which can resonate in our whole being, which gives something to life which, is, which, which can be lacking, which seems utterly empty without, which we're calling tonight the spiritual. And it seems to me and in my experience that a bridge towards this discovery is the factor of observation. It's when you and I are willing, and in a sustained way, are willing to open our observation up to life, to the nuances of life, to the, to the incidentals of life, making that a greater focus and interest in ourselves that somehow or other Within the most ordinary, there is a possibility for something in consciousness to respond. Something in consciousness which encourages oneself to respond to something which one keeps being blind to, that we keep, keep, keep missing in life. And that observation, that li- living, in a con- living in a conscious way, as I mentioned, must include by, its, by the power of that observation everything which you and I do, everything which you and I see, hear, smell, taste, touch and experience. That through the medium of our senses, which is the intermediary between us, our mind, and our life, within those senses, and the world of the sense data which comes to us and what emerges out of our heart, that observation is a bridge to opening to seeing the world in a fresh light. And the observation factor itself brings freshness to the mind, and brings a freshness to life, rather than be deadened by the field of habit. 
But in that journey of, of looking and observation, you and I, we find ourselves, by a certain necessity, observing and looking, as much as we look outside, looking inside, looking at the, the actual fact of your and my existence. And we see that when in our looking, because of our looking, because you and I have stopped to take a, take a look, we see that some things need to be looked at, need to be gone into, that we can't keep avoiding, we can't keep ignoring. And so we find ourselves looking, observing the actuality of our experience of life. And in that observation of that, we see that through the observation, we feel the need, if not the, the unalterable necessity, to make changes. And so that we find ourselves sometimes moving from a particular life journey, which has become quite familiar to us, and several people of the, uh, during this retreat have been giving testimony to this one, might say, where one has been going along a particular life's journey and something's been happening within oneself. And that, those occurrences are by necessity forcing change. Forcing change in which one is going away from the familiar into the unfamiliar. From the known into the unknown. From being comfortable or being painful to, in, to a new direction which is unsure. And we see that out, out of the observation and the changes which are being made, that those changes which take place contribute inside of oneself through the sustained observation to a certain harmonizing of mind with body. You feel the sense of intuitive sense of what one is doing is right and appropriate. The way that one is living one's life begins to have a certain sense of validity and integrity to it. And out of that observation, and out of, and out of the sustaining element of interest and support which accompanies it, our observation can rather easily get somewhat limited to what's happening in our life and the way that we are working with it. There can be within that observation and that path and journey that one is taking a certain spiritual factor. And the spiritual factor, as I mentioned, we, you and I, we must look for ourselves, a spiritual factor, one of, the way, one of the things that it can mean for us that it's not just a matter of getting our act together. It's something more than that. And somehow or other, this sense of something more than that, for me, introduces the spiritual.
one is still concerned with the actuality. One is still concerned with this presentation of life. One is still concerned with the interdynamic of life. How I am as a human being living my existence. And all the multifaced facets of it. So I begin to see that through the observation, through the psychological insights, through the harmonizing of the energies of the body, through a certain developing of clarity, I see and I experience a sense of progress. I feel, in spite of the hiccups, and sometimes it's endless hiccups it seems, that in spite of the hiccups I can, as it were, sense a kind of thread with all the waverings and the doubts and the confusion that there's a thread of following something through. And in, in that, with, with all that our mind uh, engages in, through that we begin to see and experience that the, the waves of the mind, the turbulences of the mind, are not so predominant. And there's a little bit more, slow as it may seem, a little bit more of an agreeable relationship with oneself and with life. That's, that's only a tiny, tiny part of the story. In, in that journey which one is making, and in that, and that sense of a, of a path, that sense of a direction which is unfolding inside of oneself, one sees within that journey a certain diminishing taking place, a diminishing of suffering a diminishing of confusion and fear and conflict, and being replaced to some degree or other by a feel, sense of greater well-being, feeling more comfortable with life and its, and, its, and its appearances and all its phases. And so that the sense of the path gets established. And within that, touching that, that path, there is still a sense of something greater. Which somehow seems to be just touching, sometimes in just the odd moments, something in that point or journey of the path that one is on. And it's not surprising, therefore, that when the, that, that touch, that sense of something greater, coming as it may, just in an odd, odd moment. Let me give you an example. I recently gave a retreat in, in, in Budgaya. And a number of the men and women on the retreat decided, as it was a full moon, <coughs> full moon night, to spend a night of continuity of practice through, through the night. 
And at about the cooks at about two o'clock in the morning decided to make for those 20 or 25 who were continuing their journey, meditative journey through the night, to make some uh, tea for them. And they just met together outside and um, outside the, the meditation hall, in silence of course, just to take some tea which is being offered. And the following morning, when I was meeting with those people and engaging in the interviews with um, some of those uh, people, several of them, in speaking about the night, all referred to that moment of taking the tea. In which, in that period of time of, of, t- of taking the tea, in the middle of the night in the silence, they said something was there which was extraordinary. And they hadn't spoken to each other, and they all referred to it quite independently of each other. There was some other quality of spirituality or awareness or expansiveness touching there. And they were sharing in it. Now it's not surprising that along the spiritual spiritual journey which is taking place, those occasional touches of something greater, infrequent as they may be, unexpected as they may be, begin to be seen as some kind of end. And the mind imagines the possibility, the potential, inside of oneself, to be immersed in that. Sometimes out of the sense for that, a new level of energy comes in one's meditation practice. A new flow, a new interest, a new inquiry, a new direction, a, a, a new sense of what is possible. And sometimes within that path, one has to go through, like so many things in our life and as far as the learning process goes, that we have to go through and experience some things in order to gain some access to an understanding. But somewhere along that journey, one may have to ask oneself questions which are not easy to ask. What relationship does the working on myself really have to that which is something greater? Is there any real connection, real, real relationship? And our mind and our heart and our, and, uh, uh, says, of course there must be. Of course there's got to be some, some, some connection. If I'm sitting here meditating my butt off <laughs> morning, morning, noon and occasionally night, <laughs> there must be some relationship. And, but when one asks oneself, this which I am doing and I am engaged in, Isn't it in itself some kind of restriction? 
isn't itself some kind of finiteness. And one says, yes, but I must do that. I must maximize my receptivity. I must increase my sensitivity. I must become more alert and more conscious. And because of that, and because of the necessity for that, because rather than undermine it, because of the necessity of that, that encourages one to continue the path, to keep that journey going. Sometimes it's just working on the body, working on the mind, working on the feelings, working on one's life. But the sense for something is a sustaining element. But still it's finite. Still there's a certain limitation of focus there. And how can that which is finite and limited discover the expense? Discover that which is greater? How can going to the restricted reveal the unrestricted? Sometimes at this point some people want to pack up and go home, but anyway. So there's the fact of our relationship. A relationship which we have with ourselves. Looking at, our, looking at the totality of our experiences, the totality of our physical life. But one begins to get a sense, as that journey and practice develops, that what one is experiencing inwardly and the accompanying benefits of that experience and the psychological well-being and the integration of heart with mind, with body is only a side effect. It's only an incidental. It just happens in an extraordinary way in life, that out of the observation and the looking and the inquiry, this is what happens to the mind-body. But that's not spirituality. One begins to look with a new, renewed interest. A renewed interest at one's life. A renewed interest at, 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 at this complexity, this extraordinary organic complexity of interacting elements. And one sees the complexity. And in that seeing and that awareness of the complexity, the relationship's going to begin to change because it's merely, it's merely a side effect. Wondrous and beneficial as harmony and integration is, and wonderful as it is to see human beings abiding in that 
but it's an incidental to the real discovery. And in that looking, and in that observation, and in that seeing in, that polarity, that gulf, that that great separation of the distinguished factor of suffering, confusion and fear, and calmness and integration and insight and the balanced, seasoned heart, that that great gap is no longer what really matters. The great distance between the two in that expanse of time is no longer what it's all about. And that's very hard, isn't it? That's hard to, to see. It's hard to, 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 to live one's life with an awareness that doesn't feel trapped by the movement and the formation of mind. doesn't feel that's the highest consideration. And then we may feel, begin to feel, well, perhaps spirituality really is primarily the discovery and the finding of some harmony. Not only the harmony between this which I experience, when I've been experiencing this, whatever it is, and and the opposite experience, and all the subtleties of those stark differences that you and I have, We may say, well, life really is to find harmony. That the life, the discovery of life is to go from all this diversity, me, 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 my, 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 mine, you, 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 that, that, that. And somehow to reduce those seemingly concrete differences between us and see harmony. And you and I can't help but see it if we are if we are in harmony. When you and I are experiencing a sense of harmony with ourselves, we tend to see harmoniously. We tend to see the earth and the skies and the city and the countryside and the people and the creatures and the environment and and the nature and the thoughts and the absence of thoughts. We begin to see that as a as a, a creative whole, and with all within that, all the diversity, because you and I are finding our harmony together. But that still isn't the consummation of spirituality. So here is one's life, it's moving along the journey. It's starting from one position, one changing position of course. It's moving through countless forms of experience, gross and subtle, irreligious and religious. It's beginning to see that spectrum. And occasionally it's being just touched, like a privilege, like something unknown and un unexpected, which just in a refined way 
helps one to open the consciousness a little bit more. And in that seeing which is not so much involved in the diversity or in the harmony, in the this or in the that. And you know that, you know that, intuitively, you really know that. Then there's a new order of receptivity. And the the real sensing or knowing that our body and, and our mind and its interactivity doesn't really have anything to do with it. And that all our efforts and work and all the, and all the application of that, so seemingly n- necessary along the path and along, along the journey to, to help develop the body and mind, really has nothing to do with that which is something greater. Nothing to do with it at all. And that the ego which has been causing so much trouble arising and passing and re-arising and re-passing and, and, and so forth cannot even obstruct anything. There's no power of obstruction of, of obstructing that which is greater. This, that, suffering, no suffering, self, no self, here, there, makes no difference. And you know, when when there is that, shall we say, order of awareness, it's not that something greater has to come to you. It's not that, some, that you have to be touched by it like, a, like, like the hand of the, the grace of God or some mystical whatever. It's not that you have to do anything or go anywhere. Because any of that kind of activity is a place of blindness. Each time you and I say that which, that spiritual element, that spiritual dimension, that which is greater is not here and one has to move psychologically, physically, move, move away. That movement blinds. It obstructs. And even the very movement and development of one's practice with all the significance and the beautiful relevance and relativity of it and the whole path and all the whole journey it all becomes an obstruction. It all reinforces coming from and going to. And because it's coming from and going to, it's coming from the past, it's going 
through the present and it's going into the, fu- into the future. And we live with that reference point. And it blinds. And one keeps coming back to all the practices, all the efforts, all the inquiry, and all the, <coughs> all the emergence of those insights with regard to ourselves and our relationship to life is purely incidental. to realize for, us, for ourselves in life there's nowhere to go to. It's not possible for you and I to move away from. <coughs> the presence of our ego and the absence of our ego make no difference at all. And it's not a matter, as I mentioned, of being touched because that which is greater is always present. It's always that which is greater. And it doesn't require you and I to affirm it or deny it, uphold it or reject it. It makes no difference. Your perception and my perception, with all our limitations of focus and all our ways of looking in an isolated, particularized way makes no difference. That which is greater is unto itself. (coughs) And out of that emerges an awareness, life, creativity, the heart, and all things. Let us just be in silence for three or four minutes. <coughs> 